This past Monday, we commemorated the 72nd anniversary of D-Day and the Normandy invasion. 72 years since Normandy. A week earlier, that was, that was this past Monday, but a week earlier, the Monday before that, was Memorial Day. And I decided on Memorial Day that it was about time I got around to watching uh, the miniseries Band of Brothers. Have any of you seen Band of Brothers? About read the book. Anyone? A few of you have seen it? It's, it's an amazing 10-part miniseries. Uh, I, it had been on my watch list for years, and I finally decided on, on Memorial Day, dug on it, I have no excuses, I have to see this. And, and it is... It is an amazing little series. It tells the story of Easy Company, the 101st Airborne Division. And it begins with their training uh, and, and leads them through their preparation for Normandy to the Normandy invasion and then on through the occupation of Europe. And constantly through the 10 episodes, we're reminded that this isn't just a movie, that this isn't just a story that someone has, has made up. These are real people. And throughout the episodes, interviews with actual surviving story, uh, soldiers, the, the men whose stories we're hearing and, and watching, uh, actual interviews with those surviving soldiers are interspersed. We hear and we see the impact that this has had on their lives. One of the most moving aspects of the, of the series comes from the title. For all that they endured, for all that they fought for, for all that they lost, and for all that they survived, they were brothers. This had this had brought them together. There was a bond between them and they would do anything for each other. I mention that because there is something of that. There is something of that spirit in the text that we're looking at today in John chapter 13. Whenever we think of the disciples together, we think of those 12 men, we think about them bickering, we think about them arguing. We think about them one-upping each other. Just trying to decide which one was the best. Which one was Jesus' favorite. But that's them. That's not Jesus. And that's not at the heart of His call for them or His call for us. Instead, what we find at the heart of that call to, to bring those 12 men together is something more akin to what we see in Band of Brothers and something more akin to what we See in the, or what we hear in the quote from Shakespeare from, that the title comes from, He today that sheds His blood with me shall be my brother. I want you to keep that in mind as we look at this text. John 13, verses 1-17. through 17. If you're using those Bibles in the pew, it's page 900. Very quick and easy to find. Page 900. John begins, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that His hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father. Having loved His own who were in the world, He loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray Him, Jesus, knowing, what the, knowing that the Father had given all things into His hands, and that He had come from God and was going back to God, rose from the supper. He laid aside His outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? And Jesus answered him, what I am doing you do not understand now, but afterwards you will understand. 
Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, The one who is bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but he is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him, and that's why he said, Not all of you are clean. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garment and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, for so I am. If, then, if I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should also do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. When we think of Jesus' ministry, we think of Him healing the lame, we think of Him feeding the hungry, we think of Him raising the dead, but don't forget His ministry to these 12 men. He was doing something special with these 12 men. He was building them into a unique relationship that would see each one of them to their deaths. He was building them into a relationship that would impact the rest of their lives. It would impact what they preached, what they taught, what they wrote, how they cared for one another, how they loved one another. And what we have to see for them and for ourselves, for these disciples, for this band of brothers is what Jesus was building into their lives was the kind of relationships that we find at the heart of the church. What we find for us. And so with that relationship in mind, we see this passage, we see what's happening in this story, and what we have to see is that this moment, the washing of the feet, this moment was the culmination of Jesus' ministry to these men. Now, now lay aside everything else. Lay aside the, the, the cross for a moment. Lay aside the crowds of, of other followers that were following Jesus. Lay aside everything except these 12 men. And John says of this moment, of the, among this group of friends in verse 1, he says, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Some of your translations say he now showed them the full extent of his love. You hear what's being said about this moment, the washing of the feet. What he was doing for these men was showing them that there was no limit to his love. How far will love go? What's the greatest thing that love does? You know, you think about popular images of love, you think about the way that love is shown in in TV and in movies and in song, and you think of all the extent and the great things that people do when they love one another, from the movies especially. You can't help but think of maybe Titanic, you know? Jack and Rose and Titanic. And there's Rose laying there on that door, floating in the water, and, and Jack is in the water, freezing to death, and you know there was enough room for both of them on that door. She could have scooted over a little bit. He would have been fine. But no, she lays on, he puts her on the door, he leaves her there, and he allows himself to freeze to death. Is that 
the full extent of love? Or, or is the full extent of love Jack at 50 driving her to chemo over and over again? Is that how far love goes? Is it Jack cleaning her up when she can't take care of herself? Bathing her when she can't bathe herself? Is, is the full extent of love Jack sitting with her in a nursing home and holding her hand when she doesn't remember who Jack is? Is that the full extent of love? Because that is more the picture that Jesus is giving us here. That's what Jesus is demonstrating. The full extent of love. Love to the end. And He demonstrates it by doing what none of them would do for each other. In verses 4 and 5, we read, Jesus rose from the supper. He laid aside His outer garment and taking a towel, He tied it around His waist and then He poured water into a basin and began to wash His disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around His waist. Roads back then were not paved. They hadn't got around to that. They didn't pave the roads. They were dusty. They were dirty. They were muddy. Add to that that people didn't drive cars back then. Uh, They rode horses and there were camels and there were donkeys and so there was stuff in the road add to that that if you lived along the road and you had your bucket and you would just toss that out into the road also it was not a pretty scene at all and so when you would go to a dinner if you were to host a banquet you would hire servants to serve at your banquet and there would be those that served the food and took care of the guests But there was also one servant who was hired whose job was that when someone came into the house, he was to remove their sandals and wash their feet and prepare them for dinner. This was was being done in secret. This was a secret gathering. There was no servant hired to do that. So whose job would it be to wash the disciples' feet? Luke tells us, when Luke tells the story, Luke tells us that when they entered the room, they were arguing about which one was the greatest. And so take Luke's account. They were arguing about which one was the greatest and tie that to John's account here. And what do you think? Every one of them, those men saw that pitcher and that basin and that towel laying by the door and every one of them said, that's not my job. They probably said, John, why don't you do it? You're the youngest. That's the job for the youngest. You do it, John. No, you do it, Matthew, you tax-collecting scum. That's the kind of job that scum ought to do. No, you do it, Simon, you zealot. You wash our feet. And so Jesus got up from the meal and took the job of the lowest servant and He washed their feet. And when He was done, in verse 12, He says, do you understand what I have done to you? And when I hear those words, do you understand what I have done to you? I don't think he's just talking about the towel and the basin and washing their feet. I think he's talking about, have you understood all along? For all these years, have you understood what I've been doing? Have you understood what I've done when I've healed you? When I've cared for you? When I've, when I've shown you my love? When I, when I have taught you? When I have raised the dead? Have you understood what I have been doing all along? Have you understood what I've been doing when I put up with your bickering and your arguing? 
And then he says in verses 13 and 14, you call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. And what he's showing them, and what he's showing us, what we pick up for ourselves, is that we are most like Jesus when we are serving others. Verse 15, he says, For I have given you an example, you also should do just as I have done to you. Can I, can I say something just for a moment? He says, I have given you an example that you should also do for each other what, what I have done for you. Jesus is not calling us to literally wash each other's feet. You know, if you came here today, I prayed that I was going to wash your feet. Not going to happen. Jesus is not calling us to literally wash each other's feet. He's not instituting a foot washing service. Although I have been to a few foot washing services, I have hosted foot washing services, and, and they are a blessing. Uh, they, are, they are worth doing. They are humbling. It's a very moving experience. But if we just do that, if we just hold a foot washing service once a year and leave it there and think that we've been obedient to, to the call of Christ, we've missed the point. Because the word example here uh, emphasizes the inner attitude. What is at the heart of doing this? What is at the heart of washing someone's feet? It's that attitude of humility, of voluntary service for others. There's no way we can wash someone's feet and then check a box and say, there, I did it. I'm good with Jesus now. So I think the question we need to ask ourselves, <clears throat> we need to ask ourselves, do, do I have a foot-washing heart? Do, do I have the heart of someone who would wash feet? Or do I have the kind of heart that says, that job's not for me. I'm too good for that job. Do we have a heart that says, I'll do that. I'm not too good to do that. More importantly, and and more to the point, when we look at an opportunity to serve, when we look at an opportunity to do something, would we stop and say, is this the kind of thing Jesus would do for someone? Would Jesus be willing to, to take this role of service and, and serve someone? If God were willing to leave heaven, to take on human flesh and do that, to show the full extent of His love, then what would I be willing to do for someone else to show the full extent of God's love. Do I have a foot-washing heart? I think that's a great evaluation for ourselves. I think it's a great evaluation for our church. As a church, do we have a foot-washing heart? Are we washing people's feet? Or is that something that's below us? Last week I talked a little bit about deacons, and I mentioned that deacons are servants. You have to keep that first in your mind when considering what a deacon is and what a deacon does. A deacon is a servant. And when Paul gives the qualifications for deacons, it's not a job description that he gives. It's a heart description that he gives. He says in 1 Timothy 3, 8 and 9, a deacon must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, nor greedy for dishonest gain. They must hold to the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. I know that deacons serve. I know that there are jobs for deacons to do, but before you look at the job, before you look at their ability, look at their hearts. Also, or John writes in verse 16, Jesus says, 
Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. The one who sent him. Who, who sent Jesus? His Father sent him. And so what did Jesus do? He, he washed feet. We are most like Jesus when we are serving others. So take a, take a close look. Maybe take a hard look. Is this a foot-washing heart? Is this a foot-washing church? Jesus says in verse 17, if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Do you hear that? Do you hear the beatitude in that? That's a beatitude. Blessed are you if you do them. There's a blessing in doing this. Wouldn't it be wonderful to have that blessing? Wouldn't it be wonderful to be a part of that blessing? I think what you and I need to do is ask ourselves the question, whose feet am I washing? Whose feet am I washing? And before you, and before you tackle somebody in this room or out there and rip their shoes off and grab a sponge or a Brillo pad or whatever it is that you use and you know, start going at it. I want you to consider that in our culture, Jesus would not have washed their feet. I mean, foot washing does not have the cultural significance. It doesn't have the relevance today. He, he would have done something, but it wouldn't have had the same significance in our culture to, to wash their feet. It, it, it's hard to find a good comparison. So when it comes to asking the question, whose feet am I washing? Or even, how do I wash someone's feet? Metaphorically, how do I wash their feet. I think what we have to look at is this. What can you do for someone else that they can't or won't do for themselves? What can you do for someone else that they can't or won't do for themselves? Now that, that might be something physical. We have people who, who need rides every now and then. They need rides to doctor's appointments. They need rides to you know, different appointments here and there and they can't always get there themselves. And we have people that give them rides. It's a wonderful way to serve. You know, what can you do for someone else that they can't or won't do for themselves? What? Sometimes it's, there's other needs. Sometimes it's, it's a matter of a financial need. You know, someone can't take care of this themselves. We have people that step in and they, they help out. The generous bucket has been a wonderful part of that. You know, as we've, we've all gotten to be blessed through doing that. And sometimes it's a matter of can't. Sometimes it's a matter of won't. <laughs> but, but we're there to meet needs. Let me suggest something else. What can I do for someone else that they can't or won't do for themselves? Washing someone else's feet might be forgiving them when they can't forgive themselves or when they won't forgive themselves. Washing someone else's feet might be forgiving them when they are so far away from God, so far away from Jesus, that they can't imagine a forgiving and loving God. Look at verse 15 again. For I have given you an example. And he's saying, look at my heart. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done for you. Can you look at verse 15 and see that washing someone else's feet might be forgiving them when they can't forgive themselves? Whose feet are you washing? Whose feet am I washing? 
I can tell you on a physical level whose feet I'm washing. <laughs> I wash Connor's feet. I wash Connor's feet every day because he can't or won't do it himself. And so every day, I sit on the edge of the tub, I sit him on the toilet, and I say, give me a foot. And I take a washcloth and I scrub that foot. And then I say, give me the other one. And he flops the other one over. And, I, and Summer's here. And that kid loves to go barefoot. And he, he's got that, well, I think there used to be flowers in it. I don't grow flowers, but out in front of the house in the, by the porch, there's a, there's a dirt patch. And Connor, Connor's big toe on his left foot, that's the digging toe. And so he, he goes out there and he just digs. And he likes to do that. I don't know, he likes to get the dirt in there. And I, I scrub that toe. I scrub those feet. And I never get them as clean as I want. And that's okay. You know, when, you, when you're washing someone else's feet, when you're taking care of that need, you may not get them as clean as you want, but you're going to make a difference. And that's, that's what you want to do. You want to make a difference. You've got to do something. But that's, that's my job. And so every day I wash Connor's feet. That's my job. But I get to do that because you wash my feet. Because you wash my family's feet. And you care for my family in some amazing ways. And as you, as you welcome Connor, as you greet him, and I, I watch you greet him, as you care for him, as you hug him, as you tickle him, as you play with him, as you put up with him and his noises, all, all the various noises, <laughs> you're washing our feet in some, in some beautiful ways. And and we love you for doing that for us. In all seriousness, I've, I've been told that there are, there are churches out there. There are some churches, and, and some of them not far away. I'm not going to mention which churches, but I can tell you of churches where I've been told we would not be welcome. I can tell you of a church not far from here where a former elder told me if you went to that church, you would not be greeted, and if you were greeted, you would be asked not to come back. I've got a Sunday off coming up, and <laughs> I'm not going to go there. I might, but I'm not going to. If you guys want to take a Sunday off and take Connor with you, I will tell you where the church is. You guys can go do it. And I, I'd, be, I'd be fine. We'd, we'd be pretty happy with that to happen. But, but what you need to know is what, what you do for my family, what you do for my family comes through the heart of Christ through you and to us. And you are blessed because you do these things. You are blessed because you bless us. So whose feet am I washing? Will you just ask that question a time or two this week? Just every now and then, just stop and ask yourself, whose, whose feet am I washing? Jesus said, I have given you an example. And, and when He said that, what He was saying was, I've shown you my heart if we do this individually, and if we do this as a church, as a community, he says, you will be blessed. So let's be blessed. Let's be blessed together. Let's wash someone's feet. Would you stand with me as we pray? Father, when we think of the full extent of Your love, our, our minds and our hearts immediately go to the cross. They go to that amazing, amazing sacrifice that purchased our salvation. But but Your love was so much greater than that. 
In your love, your Son left His home in heaven, took on flesh and bone, and He emptied Himself and took on the form of a servant. He loved and He cared and He healed and He washed feet. So, Father, this week, someone will come into our lives that cannot take care of their own needs. Maybe it's a physical need. Maybe it's a financial need. But maybe it's a matter that they cannot believe that there is a God who is loving enough to forgive them. Give us wisdom and courage to wash their feet and to love them as Your Son does. And thank You for loving us. You, you loved us when our feet and our hearts were filthy and needing cleaning. And You continue to love us when we fail, when we fall, when we get things dirty all over again. Thank You for Your amazing love. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.